This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Start your engines and join me in the new mobile game, RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar. May the best superstar win. Available now. In a world full of straight people, aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? And so much more. Subscribe to WOW Presents Plus. Still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. I'm Matt McConkie. I'm a writer, actor, and devoted fan of Sex and the City and And Just Like That. And I've spent so much time and energy fervently defending the show that I couldn't help but wonder, should I do a podcast about this? The answer, of course, is no. But And Just Like Matt is more than a podcast. It's a faith-based community with a shared mission to bring back Samantha full-time. And it's also a call to action. It's a plea because I'm begging you just like me. Come on, you know you want to. And maybe after you give this episode a listen, you will. Everybody, take a deep breath. Um, Recording this at 11 a.m., just finished watching. I'm going to introduce my guest to you shortly. I hope that everyone is is hungry. It's, It's time to eat. Because uh, <laughs> it's the finale episode of And Just Like That Season 2. It is not the finale of this podcast. We will be back with more next week. Mm. But right now, we are discussing The Last Supper Part 2, Entree. And I am joined by two, I don't know, delectable desserts. Oh, uh, Daryl Stevens is best known for playing the titular character in the groundbreaking show Noah's Ark. Of course, you've also seen him in Angeline, Saved by the Bell, Lovecraft Country, 20s, Good Trouble, Be Positive, Pee-wee's Big Holiday. He's the author of two books, Shortcomings and Required Reading, How to Get Your Life for Good. Daryl Stevens, hello. Hi, Maddie. How are you? Good to see you. So good to hear that gorgeous voice. Oh, thank you. Also... We are joined by H. Allen Scott, a writer comedian you've seen on Jimmy Kimmel Live, Ellen, MTV. They were the subject of the documentary Latter Day Jew. They've written for TV Land, Vice, Fusion, Out Magazine, Esquire. They co host the podcast Out on the Lanai, a Golden Girls podcast, and you're making it worse. H. Allen. Hello. Hello. How are we? Uh, I, do, I, I, don't, I don't know how I am, to be honest. Oh, I know how I'm, I am. I am. I am stuffed like you said. I am. I'm just the, the food is in my mouth and I am ready to just like let it all out. I have so many things. It's time to purge. Yes. Okay. But before we get to it, let's just uh, situate us in, in your history with the original Sex in the City. H. Allen, I believe your obsession might even go deeper than mine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I go back to the beginning. I was a, a, a teenager obsessed with the series going into my young adult years, my college years. And I love everybody on this show. There is only one person from this show I have not interviewed before, and it's Sarah Jessica Parker. Although I'm in regular communication with her team, always every month begging for an interview. I 
am fully obsessed with every every of the four main women on the show. I'm I just they're my life. They're that quote. They're daily quotes. They're everything. Yes, I'm obsessed. And Daryl, I don't know your relationship to the original. Well, I wasn't that young. I feel like I was already in my forties. Not that can't be right, right? <laughs> I was in my thirties. I was in my thirties. If I feel like um, I had watched it religiously, I was a big fan. I don't know that I would say I was like a huge. I did have the pink box set with the, the mm. DVDs, mm. so I was that that's not girl, nothing. But I, that's not nothing. But I was, uh, yeah, I loved it. I, I watched it religiously, and, I, and all my Matt, you know, Sloan. Sloan and I were big fans. We talked about it. She wasn't a fan of. I think it was a third season, short hair season. But then you know, we mm. all got back into it. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm I've loved the show for years, and so when it came back or when this iteration happened, I was, I was very excited. And obviously one of the most reductive ways to describe Noah's arc is that it was a, a gay black sex in the city, which would oh, make absolutely. you a carry. But do yes. you identify as a carry in real life? You know, I knew you were going to ask this question and I feel like in real life, I'm some kind of common, you know, a combination between Carrie and uh, Charlotte. Cause mm -hmm. I'm kind of the, Serial monogamous, very like pearl clutchy lady <laughs> of the You're a you good know, girl. I mean, I want to be happy in a relationship and all that stuff. But but I also have, you know, I had the sort of fun nightlife of Carrie as well. I think I, I think I had some Carrie yeah. in there. Hmm. Noah was definitely the Carrie of that show. We so. all oh, have yeah. Carrie in us. Carrie is in all of us. She's she's an omnipresent character. Right. I I don't know how you watch a show and don't feel like, well, yeah. obviously I'm the Carrie, right? You you kind of have to. Just the way uh, it's Alan, what about you? Well, it depends. It depends on the day and what I'm doing. So if I'm in drag as my Sadie Pines persona, I'm definitely a Samantha with a rising carry because I'm not a full-on slut as as a drag queen. I'm more of a I'm a I'm a passive, passive aggressive slut, if you will. Uh and in my regular life, my everyday life, I am one thousand percent, there is no question about it, Miranda. I am that friend. I will ridicule you for making bad decisions but then i will have all the advice on how you should be living your life like i am definitely a miranda in life you know i it's interesting i feel like a lot of people are identifying as miranda's now at this stage mm. of our lives that probably wouldn't have earlier there's something about being being a miranda or being a charlotte that i think like you don't want to embrace when there's you're a young yes yeah and then as you get older you realize like how powerful those characters are but also have that those are those are people you want in your corner yeah i would think so because i'm a miranda and they and they round out your friend group you need somebody to be the the messy one you need somebody to be the smart one to sort of get you into shape you need that your friend you needs these these archetypes you also need the shark because charlotte is sort of like i also am in love with the golden girls obviously i have a podcast about that but I, so I look at the girls sort of in the Golden Girls realm, too, because Sex and the City is the Golden Girls for the 30-something mm -hmm. women, if you will. And it, I look at Charlotte in the same way I look at Rose in that no one ever wants to be Rose because it's the dumb one or it's the fluffy one or it's the whatever. But, like, I think now watching it just like that, you realize, oh, wow, Charlotte is an important person to have in your corner. Like, she's the glue that keeps everybody together. Like, she really yeah. makes shit happen. Absolutely. Yeah, I always come back to that moment in the first movie when Big has just uh, ostensibly oh, left her at the altar favorite, and, and Charlotte favorite, says, no, no, favorite. no, 
Yeah, I just but like my favorite Charlotte moment ever, ever. It's it's so beautiful. But yes, that's I a get sad. chills thinking about it. Yeah. Talk to me about your own days as, you know, young singles running around the city, you know, dating terrible men, chasing them, going to drinks and brunch with the girls afterward to talk about it. Daryl, I feel like I I got a glimpse into that chapter of your life, you know, in this this, you know, real moment in time in in WeHo and I don't know, this I guess now was like 13, 14 years ago. We did a play together. Yeah. But before that, would you say, I mean, you were living a carry life, I think. I was kind of living a carry life. Yeah. I was sort of, I was the artist, you know, actor who was kind of making ends meet, sort of not had friends who were doing, um, you know, I had a, a friends who were more active in the, in the, I guess the apps weren't really that uh, happening back then, but mm -hmm. In the streets, they were more in the streets. I had yeah. friends who were more uh, focused on telling you about yourself. You know, one, one of our mutual friends was that mm -hmm. friend. So, yeah, I, I definitely feel like we had we had that in common. I think that what's kind of cool about this new show is even though Samantha's not there, there it, there's something to be said about when you get older. Some of you grow into different into new directions, and you sort of you know, the, the, the relationships that I had back then that you're talking about, that core group of gay guys that I was mm -hmm. running with and that girl, um, we don't see each other anymore. Like I'm tight with Steven still, but uh, Sloan I see every now and then, Camilo I see every now, I shouldn't be naming names, but I see all, I see them all, but it's not the same core group. Some of them don't get along. It's like, it, it's, it's very interesting how as you get older and you grow in different directions, you really do have to sort of make space for Samantha to live in London now and to have this weird cameo that was clearly mm. shot completely separately. And that's, oh, we'll get that's into life. That. That's life as you get older, right? You just kind of, you grow up and you, you, you realize. My mom used to come to like my things, the Thanksgivings at my house and be shocked at how close knit my friends were. Like, she's like, I, I don't know how you guys are still friends after all these years, you guys are all so close. And then, I guess 40 hit and it's just sort of, you know, we grow in different directions. It's all good. It's, there's, there's no love loss. I, I, you know, I got love for yeah. all of them. It's just, you know, you, you grow up, you go in different directions. Yeah. And there are new people who come into your life after 40, those friend groups, they don't have to end, but they, they definitely morph. I had a, I had a weird, cause I moved to New York city right after the series ended. And so I was there for like when the film came out and I was, you know, being a writer, doing stand up, like performing, I was kind of living like a really broke gay Carrie Bradshaw life in that I lived with like this 47 year old woman who was 47 the entire five years we were together. And <laughs> it was like a room that was like five feet by like it was a very tiny room and I would sit in there and write these weird stories about sex or like do bits about my dating life and everything so I was kind of living that weird Carrie life and the friends that I made in New York then when I was living there my two best friends Elliot Glazer and Brent Sullivan were still best friends we all moved to Los Angeles together now we have the podcast together you're making it worse and it is kind of like we did kind of get we're getting older together in a way and it's kind of nice to we're still very like apathetic and like we hate most gay guys and we're just like complaining about life and complaining about like the gay world and WeHo and how vapid it is and like all we're complaining about the same things we were complaining about 10 years ago which is kind of great but now we just have a little bit more money to like 
really shit on other people because now we can be like, you're poor. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a, I don't know. It's kind of, I feel like I kind of have that, the three, the core group, it's Samantha's gone, of course, but like, I kind of feel like we're like Carrie, Charlotte, and Miranda. And then just like that, like we're still just kind of living that friendship and we're still complaining. Always complain. It's beautiful. Right? I think, I think you're younger than me. I think you're younger than me. I think as you get older, as you start approaching 50, as these as these girls have already done, these women have already done, um, it does start to feel like, oh, I gotta, I don't know, in, in my experience, everyone's gotta like really sort of, you, you hit your mid forties, you're like, I gotta pull a life together, I gotta start creating a savings. And you know, yeah. at some point I gotta retire. Life just gets a, a different rhythm once you get into your mid forties, I thought I had found. Yeah. I also had a kid three years ago, so I think that's changed my life profoundly. You know, obviously it's changed my life profoundly. So yeah, yeah, things change. Things change, and and you know, obviously that's a big theme of and just like that. But also, that's a reason that some of our characters uh, that their friendships change. That's why, like Charlotte, has an LTW in her life because she needs a mom friend who feels like a peer. And are you at the point now where you have like? mom and mom dad friends. friends specifically because your kids are the same age i mean i'm definitely socializing with the friends we're we are starting our second year of school next month but like a preschool next month so it's it, you know we know each other we hang out we're cool we can stand in the park and chat for an hour and a half but i i do see i, I completely understand the charlotte L ltw relationship it is a real thing that you're like you know my besties don't have kids so it's yeah. it's it's I'm gonna have to sort of develop relationships with people I don't necessarily have that much in common with. Although Charlotte and LCW do, I think, click. Yeah. Um so it's it's interesting though. With kids, it does your your priorities do shift away from I wanna do this today to I gotta do this today. Mm. I am friends with cat parents. That's what I am. I do have friends that only have cats, yes. So I can really <laughs> And now you can count Carrie amongst them. Very happy about her. And oh, cat mom. Yes. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small, and therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest. I know recently for me, therapy was extremely helpful working my way through a rift I had with a friend. It was really giving uh, Carrie and Miranda in the Sex and the City movie, if you recall. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. When we keep things bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. So remember, therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and you can do that with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash like Matt today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash like Matt. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 a day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck, then access up to $100 a day as you work, leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I'll tell you how I'd spend the money I'd get from Earn In. 
Our little dog tugboat has had some eye issues, just had surgery, and let me tell you something, it wasn't cheap. So download Earn In today. That's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. And when you download the Earn In app, type in Just Like Matt under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. That's Just Like Matt under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. So yeah, let's talk about these new friends in our lives. Before we get to this episode, just tell me about what, what the ride of these two seasons uh, you know, has been for you up until this point. H. Allen, have you accepted these new characters into your heart? You know, I was just writing about this because I was doing a thing for my newsletter on it. And I, 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 of course, have accepted the original characters and where they are now. I think I love where the second season has taken them to. And I'm so eager for because of that. The new characters, though, I feel like I love the three core women, you know, Dr. Naya and, and Lisa. And I love all of, and Seema. Oh, my God. I love them. They are perfect characters. And I feel like... I want these women to be just as unhinged and weird. And I want them to pee in a Snapple bottle like Carrie did last season. Like, mm. I want a Dr. Naya pee in a Snapple bottle. Give me that and I will be happy. Like, I just need more from them. Daryl, how are you feeling? Well, you know, as a big fan of the original show, I, I did always feel like, wow, there are no black people in New York. There are no people of color <laughs> until like maybe the last season, right? So I was very excited um, to have, you know, Sara come in as as Che, this, this queer juggernaut. Mm-hmm. And then LTW is just the bougiest black woman I've ever seen in my life. And I live for her, like the fashion. Yeah. And I, you know, for me, it was, it was, I agree. Um, I didn't quite get all their stories until I would say the last five, six episodes. I'm, I'm really starting to feel like this last couple episodes with with, um, with Lisa, I'm I'm super into. Uh, yeah. But uh, Naya, I felt honestly a little less. Like I don't quite know what she's going through. I don't quite. I almost feel like Charlotte's. I mean, uh, Miranda's only in her apartment to kind of keep us mm-hmm. in her life. Connected to her, yeah. Yeah, and it almost feels like okay. Well, this this is not really the meat of the show, but I love that she's there because. You know, I was missing brown faces on the original show. So, and Seema fits right in. Seema, I, th- I feel like yeah. it's just, she's she's the perfect uh, addition to the, you know, in, ter- in terms of like Samantha missing, she she brings that same like, oh no, we're not doing that, honey. We're doing mm-hmm. this energy, which I love. Uh, so I, I, I love the, the new characters and I think that they're, I appreciate that the writers have, uh, endeavored to be more inclusive you know there was a little bit of an eye roll i felt myself even involuntarily eye rolling the first season i felt like they were sort of shoving things in and i was like "Uh, is this fitting does this work do we care and as it's gone on and we've gotten to know these other characters better i i do feel like i you know i i love them i'm i'm we're not talking about it yet but the 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 storyline with lisa yeah there's been some just beautiful stuff with that beautiful stuff with her this last two episodes i've just been like oh oh yeah i'm with you she's so good and i she's so good 
I agree with what you're saying, H. Allen. Like there is some frustration only in that there are now so many of these characters that we have to care about. It's hard to balance it out, you know, a bit. But I think that it, I mean, first of all, I, I, I think they had to thread such a tricky needle when they decided to bring back the show. Obviously, the right thing to do was to make the cast more inclusive and more diverse. And I'm so happy they did that. And, you know, but, and then there, there was such a backlash to that about these characters being treated as like support people of color and all of that, that they made a concerted effort to root those own characters in their own stories and complicate them and everything. Sometimes that means that we're going to get a little less of our Carrie and our Charlotte and our Miranda, but with this episode specifically, it really came together for me, like having them all at the table, literally and metaphorically. I feel like, I mean, I've been craving that. I've been complaining about that every week. Like, just give me one big brunch scene. I understand that not all of them are best friends, but I'm ready for them to be best friends. I think that is something we can look forward to in season three. I hope and I pray is like Seema and Naya can form their own friendship. They sat together at that table, you know, like we got a little bit of LTW and Naya you know, starting a friendship. Like I just need all of them in the mix with each other more. Yeah. Like Naya was a little bit on an Island. And I, I think that was probably a, like just a practical thing. Cause she's on the morning show and they probably didn't have that much time with Karen Pittman. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So let's get into this episode. It starts off with the phone call we've all been waiting for, you know, Carrie's walking in the door. She's hanging up the phone with Aiden the phone rings. It's Samantha. We knew this moment was coming. I will say I missed the texts that we got in season one, but yeah. in a way that made it all that much sweeter, you know? Unfortunately, we do know that the actors did not interact with each other, but I gotta say, somehow, the chemistry is still there between mm. those two. I was feeling it. For me, Sarah Jessica Parker is a revelation. <laughs> like, mm. I'm just watching her in every scene, just pull beautiful moments out. I don't know how, where she's getting these moments. As the Noah on my show, uh, I and just knowing how much pressure it is to sort of be the lead on a show with you know other characters to, to, to contend with, she's so grounded and everything is so real and her comedy is spot on. Like she's so, so good. I think that any, my grandmother could have been on the other side of that phone and Sarah Jessica Barker would have made that conversation work. She would have delivered. That's you know. no shade to Kim Cattrall because she also did her thing. But I just feel like this season for me has been like the Sarah Jessica Parker parade. I'm just like everything she does. This scene where she was uh, with Aiden's ex-wife in the, in the cafe, I was like, oh. Bitch. Yeah. How are you doing? It's so small and so subtle and beautiful. Everything is just like choose it she up. She takes the hits. She mm -hmm. takes the hits and she just moves through everything gracefully. You don't see any like acting. It's just like bam. Process. I'm Agreed. She is she's doing the so best good. work of she's her so life. Good. Even, uh, I even yeah. think about like that when Chase did the stand up set all about Miranda and and Carrie didn't have any lines in that. Her her face when she was just watching Miranda and that scene, it was like, 
God, she just just the eyes. It was the eyes on Miranda. It was just like, yeah, so good, so good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I yes, I agree completely. Sarah Jessica Parker is a gem, and she's underrated, and she needs more acting work. That is, I feel like this show is no longer a comedy series, and it has moved into a full on drama series, and it's showing the range of Sarah Jessica Parker that we maybe sometimes didn't get in the original Sex and the City because they were limited to 30 minutes. They were limited to a strict comedy format. They were limited to a lot of different things. And so I love that. However, the return of Kim Cattrall, I'm sorry. It was like, it was it was so the epitome of everything that this show is. It's completely unhinged. It's unnecessary. It's, it's wild, but I want so much of it. Like I want, yeah. I don't want it to make sense. I want that F-bomb I want Animal to come out. I want that weird British accent to come out. I want, all of it. And I also love, I kind of love the fact that they weren't in the same room or even actually talking because frankly, that's what Samantha would do. She doesn't got time to go be in the same room with someone. She's busy. And so it just, <laughs> it just gave me, it was underwhelming and overwhelming at the same time, which I think is the best definition of, and just like that. It is just so perfect that I screamed when she said Annabelle Bronstein, I screamed mm. and I rewound it and then had a little giggle. <laughs> like it was a perfect, it's a perfect little, just little Hershey's kiss of just love for that I needed from this season. Me too. And it was so surprising that we, because it had been described as a cliffhanger, I think everyone expected it to be the last scene of the episode. And so I've been spinning insane theories about what that was going to mean and how, how it was going to be a cliffhanger. And, you know, and yeah, was so she going to really... show up to the, to the supper, right? Was she the chair? Yes. The extra, the extra chair, was she going to sit in it? thought it was exactly. going to be, right? But it wasn't. Right. It wasn't but, yeah, but to start off with it instead was was another delightful surprise. You know, I, I will say the actual conversation, you know, just because this is such a precious moment to have her on camera in this show. And, and we knew this was going to be such a short scene. Every syllable is precious real estate. So the more we were getting into the weeds on like Samantha's flight schedules, I was like, please focus. Like, I don't care <laughs> that the pilot, the thing, the wings were frosted over or whatever. Like, let's get back. And sometimes, and just like that, we'll take us into logistics a bit. And like, we're really following the beats of like, okay, Carrie's oven doesn't really work. She has to use the downstairs neighbors, but this, you know what I mean? We're really like tracking the comings and going sometimes in a way that, I don't remember doing as much on Sex and the City. Anyway, having said all that, you know, we were craving, I think, catharsis of some kind because we missed this character so much, but we're also so invested in like whatever has happened off camera and the reasons that she's not there. But, you know, there's no reason for this to be a dramatic conversation because we know they already made up in Paris. Yeah. Although I still would have loved a little more information about what that conversation was. But there is still something cathartic about just seeing her. And, you know, I would love to know if Kim Cattrall is is posting about this, what her thoughts are now that it's finally out there, what people are commenting. You know, unfortunately, I am not privy to that information because she has blocked me on Instagram. Um, I heard this story. Just to brag, I was on Watch What Happens Live a couple weeks ago, and Andy asked me about it. And I was like, oh, this is my moment. Like I had a whole plan of what I was, how I was going to seize the day on watch what happens live. And like, basically just 
broker the healing that needs to happen in order to bring her back for season three. But unfortunately, you know, it's a live show. I'd had a couple of margaritas. I instead <laughs> I like went into a very long preamble as I am wont to do about like sort of building up to the actual headline of like, she blocked me. And then I didn't, I didn't get to the heart of the matter before we have to move on. Cause it's like a 20 minute live show, but I swear to you, I was going to look into the camera, look down the barrel and be like, Kim, this podcast is a love letter to you. I'm sorry if it has annoyed you that I have been saying that I'm, you know, trying to lead a, a mission to bring you back to the show full time, even though you clearly don't want that. <laughs> but I still have not given up hope. I Am I insane? Yes, I know you're not insane. I, I love that. I'm shocked that she blocked you. I can say that we've had I had one DM interaction with Kim Cattrall because I post clips and stuff on my Instagram and I tagged her in one or a story or something and she replied, thanks. And then mm. I replied with OMG, I loved you and Ice Princess because I do. And you wow. liked it. So there's, <laughs> I'm just saying that maybe there is room for her to unblock you if you just meant be ice princess. Mm. Maybe that's it. Yeah. I, you know, how to, maybe if she's listening. Re rename the, the podcast Ice Princess. Just like yeah, that's, that's what we'll do to cover the time there in between seasons is just discuss the ice princess every week. I wonder if she's blocking. Let's find out because I post about her a lot. <laughs> she absolutely hasn't blocked you. You were nowhere near as obnoxious as, as I have been. I mean, there is something flattering about just the idea that she knows who I am, although I'm sure it's more like, you know, her intern is just going around uh, haphazardly blocking things associated with the show. I don't know. I'm imagining it's I'm imagining it's Marco from Glamorous on her <laughs> on her cell phone. Yeah, exactly. She has moved on. Yeah, her alone yeah. is what Marcus's messages to me. Um, so what else from this episode? I mean, that that to me is the biggest moment. And then, you know, we'll get to the actual dinner, but enjoyed seeing Hungover Charlotte. Krista cool. Davis oh, has got to do a that. lot of great comedy work this season. Her lean against the wall when she walked in uh, <laughs> yeah. the night before yeah, in the previous yeah. episode. I thought was brilliant. That that's like physical comedy gold right there. Taking her shoes off. It was such a brief moment for me, but the, one of the most um, sincere moments, and there were a lot of sincere moments in this episode, but one that really hit me is the Stephen Miranda on the boardwalk. Mm. Yes, just because I they are the couple of Sex and the City to me. They are that's the love story. I mean. Teen, big or Aiden or whatever. No, the love story of Sex and the City is the bond between Miranda and Steve and the complicated relationship over even the films. And having this person who is exploring her sexuality at this point in her life is a very relatable thing that so many men and women and people across the spectrum go through. And so that's a very relatable story. And I'm glad that they're doing it, although I could have done with less Che. And I, and I could have done them with a lot more Steve. And because what is so often not told is the reaction of the partner who is still sort of in the straight cis world and what they're feeling and what they're going through. And I think one of the things that we missed a lot in And Just Like That is Steve processing what Miranda's going through and how dramatically it changes his life. And I feel like we kind of got a little bit of that and this complicated 
relationship going forward into season three that maybe hopefully they explore a little bit more about what they mean to each other and how it impacted their future relationship, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because I think it Miranda did a great job of sort of explaining why she needed to liberate herself from this marriage and that this is no longer who she is. I don't know that she has done a great job of being sensitive to the fact that at the same time, she is also breaking this man's heart for the, I don't know, third time at least. And, and so I really felt, yeah, that, that was one of the best scenes of the episode. You're so right. It was, it was beautiful to see, um, the show just pay tribute to what that relationship is and that it could yeah. still be something, even if it's never, they're never going to be, you know, a couple again. And we love Steve, right? You, we need, we, Steve. we need Steve. We love Steve. Best man on the show. Just saying he is. He really is. Yeah. Loved seeing Brady ride. A second time we've seen Brady ride up on his bicycle there at uh, Coney Island at the end of a scene, but then not get any, lines and i was i was hoping to get a little more information on what's happening with brady and lily oh i'm a well no i'm totally here for brady and lily and that whole fuck fest like i i, I want to subscribe <laughs> fans i'm definitely down for it but well when they're when they're older um but i i i do love that he had no lines because that says so much that he just sort of smiled at his parents getting along which as a as a child of divorce of many divorces of my parents when you can see your actual parents maybe being the parents that they once were it's yeah emotional and you i i don't know it was a beautiful thing i related to that so much just him smiling at his parents because it's something that i never got you know uh, i did too yeah, yeah it was uh, i was also like don't get your hopes up brady i don't know it might look like something else from the, where you're sitting on the bike but mommy and daddy are not getting back together also the casting of brady can we talk about how brilliant oh. he that kid is clearly Steve and Miranda's kid. I don't know where they found him, but he was mm. casting eight on that one. They they left no crumbs on that casting. You're so right. He and and he looks like the grown up version of the child, the yes. kid that played he, Brady. I feel in like original. He, he should be, but I don't think he even is. Right? It's so the casting's amazing. It's wild. So. Naya got some kind of promotion at American Law. I mean, I don't understand these lawyer jobs, but I'm very happy for her. <laughs> Broadway um, legend. I wish I knew his name. What was that man's name? Do we know his name? Oh, Broadway I have to legend. find his name. Oh my God, my husband has yeah. worked with him twice and he's so good. He just was um, amazing. Oh God, what is his name? We'll, we'll find it. Yeah, um, it's like Shields. What is Andre it? Andre De Shields. Yes. De Shields. That's that's it. Andre De Shields. He was in Hades Town too, I think. Um, yeah, we love him. Great scene. I but again, I'm like, what, I don't know what is that? Are you? Does this mean you're moving? Or is there, are you trying that to set us up for Naya going away? Leaving? I don't. Is uh, Miranda moving into her apartment because she's moving to L.A.? Like, what's happening hmm. with Naya? I didn't understand that either. I think yeah. people that all season. What's happening with Naya? We don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I do have to wonder if we're going to lose somebody in season three. I hope this I'm, is just what happens with big casts, you know? I have a feeling that they're going to cut back on Che a little bit because Che is slowly being edged out of every storyline, even carries. And it's, it's kind of, you know, there's no, as from a writing perspective, 
there's no real real clear future for Che's relationship with any of the women because Carrie doesn't even need Che's apartment anymore. You know, like what 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 anchors Che to the to the story? I don't know. Ooh, I don't know, and I I've got to say, in their you know little um, moment in the kitchen between Miranda and Che, I was relieved that there we weren't hinting at a more romantic drama between the two of them. That it was much more like closure. I I don't know. Somebody actually wrote in and was like, I think they're setting up a Lizette Che smoke spinoff with Bobby Lee, and I was like, okay. I'm into it. Younger generation. I'm into it. I, I also felt maybe this was just me. When Che and Lizette met, there was chemistry. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. I mean, Che is just a, a hot person. Um, yeah. I want I will say that as much as I struggled with the Che and Miranda relationship, I appreciated that by the end, we were sort of let off the hook. I was let off the hook for feeling like uh, like I was uncomfortable around them when she's when they said when uh Miranda confronted her and Chase said yeah we our, our relationship is a train wreck I was like oh it was supposed to be a like we were supposed mm. to be uncomfortable and then uh Che also said um in that say I think it was the, the, the last episode the previous episode they said um I'm so tired of having to explain myself to people and I felt like, oh, I, now I understand who Che is. Che is kind of a, a dick, and we just didn't, yeah. we didn't, we didn't have the life, or I didn't have the, the space to sort of process yeah. that because I know Sara Ramirez is this cool actor, yeah. But Che is a comic who's kind of a dick, and that, I think that that was important for me to to understand so I could process why I was so uncomfortable in their relationship. Also, understanding that Miranda was not her best in that relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like, thinking about her in LA with Che and you know trying to correct the lines and the script and you know like all that stuff I was just like ugh this is just it's I was cringing the whole time and now I know I was supposed to be cringing and that was a a relief I think Che and Miranda have too much in common they're two similar people they approach life in a similar way I mean Miranda has done exactly what Che did during Che's stand-up set and you know as a stand-up like that's what we do we just say that we talk about our lives and and Miranda does that and judges people just as much as Che did in Che's stand-up and so yeah they're to me they're parallel characters and that's why it's a train wreck because they they keep trying to one-up each other in the <sighs> department of brain and they can't because they both have amazing brains so yeah. yes yes yeah you're so right and I, I mean, I'm very here for this, you know, potential new romance between Miranda and Dolly Wells uh, at, you know, their cocktail after the BBC thing. Again, I don't know what Miranda's job is. I don't really understand what that role is, but I'm happy for her. But it also struck me that in Che's conversation with Lizette, Che was like, I'm going through an emotional transition. I'm in my cocoon stage, you know, which implies like some kind of change is coming for Che in season three. I don't know if that means they're not doing stand up anymore. They're not on the show anymore. Who knows? We will see. Um, what else? Charlotte got a new phone. We spent some time with a new phone. Oh, um, Seema and Ravi. How are we feeling about this romance? I have a problem with Ravi's wardrobe. <laughs> I, I I know that he's supposed to be this international sort of 
artiste, the neckerchiefs just and the and the high waisted sash on the blazer. I'm just I just it makes me uncomfortable. I just want him to look like a man. Just dress like a the man that I feel like Sima would be attracted to. There's something too uh, uh too, too dandy. Too Ooh. dandy. Too dandy is exactly it. He's oh. he's he's too dandy. And I and I can't I get no no hair on the testicles. You know what I mean? Like I get I, I get like smooth shaved and it, it just I don't like it. It just I need I need some something else. That being said, I do I did appreciate Seema uh Seema's little breakdown around uh sort of allowing herself to feel something with a man. Yeah. But that that was kind of an interesting thing for that character. And I think that it's something that uh women in 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 position in, in with careers are often sort of having to choose. I know women friends of mine are often feeling like they can't they can't let their guard down to to you know because they gotta keep moving, keep keep uh keep pushing in their in their jobs. And I feel I feel like Seema's that that woman. And I kind of appreciated seeing that that breakdown for her. That it was a, a new color for her, that that yeah. fluster that that uh, yeah and that vulnerability. That vulnerability, yes. I have not seen Seema's full like color box, if you will. Like she hasn't used every color in the crayon box yet. And because of that, I feel like the vulnerability is unwarranted because it's like, I just want to see Seema be unhinged and travel and go crazy and fuck everybody and like go from bare chested balls to hairy balls. Like I want to see her experience all the and she has embraced the tea baggage that I feel like she needs in her life. I mean, you know, they ended with them in Greece, like Harry and Seema in Greece. And frankly, I want to see Seema sit on every single Greek dick. Like I just want to do as possible so that then in the end of season three, let's say that we've seen her fuck everybody like we did with Samantha. If you notice, Samantha didn't have that sort of like deep vulnerable connection until like season five of Sex in the City. It's because we needed that character to be that that unhinged extreme person in the in the cast. And Seema is that and we just need more of it. We need so much more of it. But do you feel like there's a little bit, and this is this is me being ageist, probably. Do you feel like once women are in their mid fifties, like I, what I, what was beautiful about Sex and City for me was, uh, we were watching these women talk about things that we were all talking about as, you know, thirty year olds in the streets, um, talking about things that we never saw anyone talk about on television, right? And it was exciting because Charlotte was not going to be miss up the butt girl, you know, all these conversations mm-hmm. that we were having that felt like oh my god this they're talk, they're talking about that there's something about seeing these women in their mid-50s that for me just feels like yeah the conversations are different we're not fucking everybody it, every episode can't be a new a new dick in the in the in the you know in the in the in the room so how do we how do we slow down and sort of honor where these women are at that at this stage of maturity, where these people are, at this stage in their maturity, in terms of like how they're treating their relationships, I thought something I, I I really appreciate about this season was this recurring theme of like if you see love or if you feel love, run to it. Like don't yeah. waste time. Life is short. So this show has happened because Big died, right? This, we're, we're like it's Carrie's new life after Big, yeah. and 
I think that this there's something very uh, just important to sort of touch on, like if if it's there at our age, if you feel something, yeah, you gotta you gotta sort of you gotta track it down, you gotta hold it down and for I as long as you can, right? That, but I feel like then she's just doing Carrie's storyline. Like that's Carrie's storyline. Like Carrie is doing that. We don't need both characters to do that. Just like on the Golden Girls, we didn't need Blanche to not be a slut. Like she needed to be a slut so that every all the other girls right. could live their age. Like right. I feel like, you know, we Seema is there because she is fabulous and on top of the world, and she doesn't she doesn't conform to the rules of what a fifty five year old woman is supposed to be, and so. I do feel like Seema would be like on the apps, finding the D, doing the things, living her life <laughs> in the back. But I mean, like, she's not concerned with slowing down and in love because she knows at 70 years old, she's probably going to be sitting on just as many dicks, you know? So live your life, Seema. Fair. Fair. You know, Daryl, you mentioned um, Charlotte being the up the butt girl, which brings us to Anthony and his anal wall. That was um, so beautifully, that wall was uh, shattered in this episode, finally, this week. How did we feel about that? I mean, I love the two of them. I love the two of them. Do you? I do, actually. I find it, I find it to be, in a weird way, I, and I never really was Team Anthony, but there is something about his character and and sort of where it is now that he really is one of the girls in the main cast. Like he really is a part yeah. of the group in an integral way that is important to each one of them in separate ways. And so seeing that person, because we never really got, even between him and Stanford, we never really got the emotional connection. There was nothing, we only saw the wedding and then that was it. Like we never really saw them anchored together as a couple. And seeing them be a couple and be intimate and be close and have these complicated conversations that are happening in the gay world. Like, like I think it's important and I kind of, I kind of love it. I, I love that we're having conversations. I love that. I love that there's a gay man in this, in the mix and his, his story matters. There's something about, and this is no shade to the actor playing Giuseppe, but I, I just don't get the couple. I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time buying them as a couple. And it's, I don't know if it's because he's young. I don't know if it's because of the, the accents. I don't know if it's because, you know, the penis was, was, was so visible on the Drew, the Drew Barrymore show. Something about it just felt, just feels like, okay. So what did Anthony do to deserve this particular situation? And what is this, what is, because Anthony was so, hell bent on finding out what the kid was actually looking for. Yeah. What was he looking for? And I feel like I didn't, I, I never got that answer. What if you flip Unless it? Unless it was the booty. What if you flip it and reverse it? What, how did the kid get so lucky with Anthony? How did the kid get so, so privileged to be able to have such a seasoned, intelligent man in his life who can maybe help him in ways that he's never really had before because he's new to the United States, even though he has a, you know, a, a passport for the U.S. Like, I don't know. I think I think you can flip it and reverse it. I think maybe the kid's benefiting more than than Anthony or me. I don't know. I feel like it's a I feel like there's a connection there that goes long before the dick, if you will. Long, uh, long, long, long. I, I, I yeah, I, I, I want happiness for all of these characters, but I also 
don't when it comes to their relationships, just because it gives us uh, some runway for season three. So, it, you know, we sort of have Ravi off the table. We'll talk about Aiden. I, I wouldn't mind if Giuseppe did have to go back to Rome, even though he's releasing Rome, apparently. Um, just because we can't have all we can't have too many of them um, coupled up and, and happy. Well, I mean, I guess I guess to to your point, H. Allen, I think that we can have we can have in in season three conversations about that 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 dynamic, and I think that is something that happens in the gay world a bit, or yeah, I think in the world, um, straight people do it too. With this uh, May December. Oh, I thought you were talking about the anal penetration conversation. Go on. That that too. That too. But I, I, I mean that that's basically been been wrapped up. But uh, I, I feel like maybe there are conversations to be had around the age difference and the the idea that Anthony was very locked into his uh his role his mm-hmm. his position i thought was kind of interesting i didn't love the conversation around it i felt like it was a little too on the nose i feel like anthony is so zippy and so funny that there would have i don't know i feel like there was it felt like I wanted him to talk around it and not be like, you're the woman, I'm the top. And it just, it just felt very stiff uh, to me. And it didn't feel like it was organic to where their relationship was going. And now I don't, but, so I'm having a hard time. I don't know. I'm just not rooting for them because I don't, I don't get it. I don't yeah. get the appeal for either of them, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude's, the dude's cute, but, but I don't get it. The you know second I mean? was reductive, but... I also I also found it hard to believe that Anthony had never sat on a dick because like you I agreed. Know, in the Come on. All over pieces, just finding everything he could in the West Village. Like he just that's you just I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But still, I enjoyed it. Before we talk about Aiden, there are just a few DMs from uh, beloved listener lovers that I'd love to get into. I mean, first of all, I can't tell you how many DMs I got after last week's episode when I would let to like to let the record reflect that I did not make any snarky comments about Carrie's wallpaper in her apartment. Um, I said that it looked like the Beverly Hills Hotel, but uh nonetheless lots of people reached out to let me know that that's actually from sarah jessica parker's own wallpaper collection so i would like to just say again i love that wallpaper and i did not say anything about it um okay um our friend james asked how would you redo the seating chart at the last supper which is a good question oh that is a good question i didn't notice it being difficult or bad the only thing that struck me is that if I feel like if I were Carrie, I would have put Miranda and Charlotte both right next to me, but she had Charlotte exactly on one side and Che on the other. And Miranda was like at the far flung other end of the thing. Also, wasn't there a lot of back and forth about how both of Miranda's exes were coming to dinner, but Steven, yes. he was a no-show. So that yes. would have been my other adjustment is I would have made, I would have had Steve at the table. Lisa, because of, I think, because of what Lisa's going through, I feel like they were together. They were close to each other. That makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. We we definitely want Charlotte and Lisa next to each other. At th- with this episode, when um, Herbert, I never want, I can't remember his name, Herbert mentions uh, God had another plan for us. Yeah. In the bathroom. Um, 
I know those black folks. I know these very like well-to-do, put together, uh, career-focused, driven, beautiful children, beautiful clothes, God first. I, <laughs> I know those folks. Mm -hmm. So there was something about the sort of the lot that the, that conversation that felt very, very rooted in black folks, and our and our sort of talking around these things. When she said, "I thought about it," and I, I'm not, that's not an option for me. Basically, is what she said. Like, I appreciate you making you know saying that, but I thought, "Come on, Lisa." But then I was like, "But if they are these black folks of faith." Yeah. Then it's a different conversation. And I and I and I appreciated that that perspective was at least presented, even though it didn't give me the, you know, the 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 pro-choice yeah. person that I am, the conversation that I would have loved to see on television. I do think it felt very real to those that particular couple. That's interesting. That's a good point. Yeah, and and if Lisa and Herbert are devout in some way i would like to explore that more we don't we've never had any kind of other than like obviously charlotte you know converting to judaism we've never really told like a faith the story of like a character's faith on this show so yeah. that's uh something else to get into for season three um aiden i i got i i do i i did see this and I'll call it an end coming for their relationship, just in that I knew she wasn't going to hurt him again. I knew he wasn't going to hurt her intentionally. And the, and Wyatt just seemed to be the writing on the wall. But what does this mean? Are they going to be in an open relationship for the next five years? It's all, it also seems that he, he's, he was like, and by the way, you may not come and visit, which was tough. I understand he's got to focus on his family. But where does that leave us? I kind of feel like it's a perfect ending for them. And it leaves the door open while at the same time, it gives us Carrie, single Carrie in a way that we need. And I think she thrives on in a way. I feel like Carrie struggling in life is always a good vehicle. Yeah. And so it's kind of the perfect balance in that like she has this person that she's anchored to, of course, but she's going to be confronted with love in different ways. And so it might not be an open relationship, but it's going to be a conflict, which, of course, is an amazing thing for, for a writer. So there's going to be a lot of conflict for her in this next season. And, and I also think it's very true. I mean, you know, adults, divorce is a big deal and people have kids and people who are divorced have kids and they have to have these conversations. And frankly, if we're respecting where these women are in their lives, like that's a big conversation that needs to be had. And I kind of love that Aiden... You don't you don't see a lot on television a man being like I have to put my kids first. You just don't. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that we saw that I think even just speaks more to why I have always been team Aiden and it also I think allows us more space for Aiden to pop back in every once in a while. Like there's there's going to be more of that and I'm actually very excited for where this is going. And how beautiful too. Sorry to interrupt, no, but no. how beautiful was Aiden's breakdown about Wyatt when he was, I should have been there. I was like, yeah. John Corbett, you are not supposed to be making me feel like this, but you are making me feel things that I was not expecting. Like he just, the way it took over him, I was like, that is some, he has kids or something. Cause that is some real shit right there. That was it great. is. Yeah. Was, that was beautiful. 
And we've seen seen him big time. We've seen Aiden get his heart broken a couple times. We have never seen him cry like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking on the chin. That's crying. Uh, Big time. And as he said to Carrie, you know, the only people I love more than you are my kids. Um, he's a good dad. One of the many reasons that really we love dad. him. And yeah, no, yeah. we know that they they can ultimately be end game when the show ends, which of course I hope is never. Yeah. <laughs> what? Now that we know we got a season three pickup, um, thank God. And by the way, thank you listeners for all the kind messages about this. I know that I did manifest that almost single-handedly, <laughs> but you all helped me get there. Um but Daryl, what what stories would you like to see told in season three? What do you think it holds in store? Oh, that's a really good question. Come back to me. I don't. I haven't even thought about that. But that's something I should be thinking about because I. H. Allen, to... I know you've got an answer. I got things. I got things. Well, first off, I want to say we need to talk about the the other character that we have not discussed. That's going to be a big, big player in season three, which is Carrie's new home. So Carrie officially is now in this big old house that she bought in like a prime real estate of New York City, single with a cat, which is like the jokes write themselves. But it <laughs> like it, it I'm so excited to see how Carrie in this new rich Carrie era, because now she's like she's wealthy and what that is going to how she's going to change sort of and what we see of her in her home and how she works and her life. I mean, that's a whole different life that we're going to see with Carrie. So I'm excited for that. I'm very excited for Charlotte to go in a direction that we haven't really seen her ever go in before because we never really get a lot of sort of Charlotte specific stories and I and I think this season gave Charlotte a lot of opportunities to go in a whole lot of different directions for next season especially with her art and her work and her just being a rich woman living her life. And then Miranda, I'm I'm actually more excited about Miranda than I think anybody else because these past two seasons, Miranda was cursed. There was a curse on anyone's related to Miranda. You know, Dr. Naya, Steve, Che, her son, like they're they're all cursed because of this storyline that Miranda had these past two seasons. Now, I feel like she has freed herself from the curse. She's back to being a redhead. She's back to being a lawyer. These are things that we need from her. And in season three, we can see real stories of Miranda and the world kind of being unhinged and how that works in her life. And I, I think that's also a really exciting place to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Miranda yeah. has purpose now, right? I feel like that was missing in the last two seasons is she was, she was, she lost her purpose. Yeah. Brady was old enough and she just said she didn't have her job. And I think the, the human rights watch, I believe is what it's called is giving her purpose. I, I feel like, uh, is the character's name joy, the woman who was, Yep, Dolly uh, Wells. The BBC. Mm-hmm. Yes, I feel like that might be a little relationship that that feels a little more like a match for Miranda yes. than Che did. It feels like maybe we're gonna get like a full. Oh, oh, oh! Before I even stop, go into that. The one of my favorite episodes, moments, scenes, scenarios was Miranda going into that woman's house with the cat shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little apartment. I thought that was so sex in the city. That's when I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you're, you're giving it, you give me what I need now. The cat shit. That's that's mm-hmm. the sex in the city I'm missing. But I, I do want to see Miranda in more of a what what does Miranda uh Miranda's actual partner look like? What is her search for her 
a real person look like? And I think that, you know, she's she and Steve have grown apart. She's going to find another person, I'm assuming. I'm excited to see who that is for Miranda because I do think that her, her you know, her skepticism, her whatever, whatever we, we'd say about Miranda's approach to life does... Um, anchor the show in a way that the other characters don't. She she gives us the like the other side of romance. Now, I do want to see how she goes from where she's been to hopefully you know a, a place a happier place and a place that feels more secure for her. Yes, well said. Because yeah, Miranda was always I mean always emotionally stunted in some way, but was also always a grown up and. So much of and just like that has been about, you know, her her world blowing up and she has sort of been an adolescent in, in some ways, like mm-hmm. coming out. And um, and it felt like that last sequence was letting us know Miranda is back in in, in, in in many ways. Old Miranda is back. And I would love to see her as much as I love Dolly Wells. I'd love to see her essentially doing what she did in Sex in the City, but now she's just dating women, you know, and it's like she's yes, she's yes. thriving at her job and she's just looking for love um, and dating all different kinds of, of people, except it's, it's women this time around. Yeah. I also, I mean, I've said it before, but I would love a burger storyline for season three. I think that's a, color on Carrie we have never seen before. It's like, we know what happens when Aiden comes back, but what happens when somebody you had absolutely no closure with yeah. comes back and claims to have changed? Um, can anybody change? You know, um, we have, we've never seen her like uh, in the position with one of these old loves where she had to really like forgive and forget. So, I really hope that we get uh, some burger in season three. And, but yeah, I, 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 I just want all of these women together at a table more often. I want them to be a full group of friends together. Give us like different combinations. We haven't seen yet. Give us Miranda and Seema, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of that. Harry's got that big house. Now they all can move in and it can just be the golden girls. I there was you just go. thinking that. Is it the golden girls? Go. I'm okay with it. Because Miranda, Miranda's still homeless, or not homeless, but like, yeah, couch yeah, surfing. she does need to get out of of Naya's apartment. Yeah, and it, we made such a point of how big, uh, how many extra rooms Carrie has. We've never yeah. seen them be roommates. No. There you go. And that'd be an interesting. That was very Golden Girls, yeah. which you know we're we're moving into that age, right? Sixties was. Yeah, I mean, they start in the sixties. So, <laughs> like before the. <laughs> I did. There was that story about how the women on Sex and the City are actually older than the Golden Girls were when they started the show. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. There you go. And I, I mean, Nicole Shabtai keeps saying, and I'm very much with her that she would like for this show to continue going until each and every one of them drops dead yes. on camera, and I will drop dead right alongside them, and then the show can continue mm. in the afterlife. You know, mm. into it. But I don't want it to end a moment before that. Daryl Stevens, H. Allen Scott, thank you so much for being here. Uh, congratulations to all of us on a on a beautiful season of television. Thank you, it everybody, for going on this season. ride with me. Um, I'm going to be back next week with a very special guest. And then we're going to start um, digging into the season one episodes. So everybody can have a fun little um, jaunt down that memory lane. 
Thank you for being here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Renee. Thank you, World of Wonder. Ta and cheerio. (laughs) And Just Like Matt is a WOW Podcasts production created and hosted by me, Matt McConkey. Our executive producer is Renee Colbert. If you've got a burning question about a relationship or friendship problem, or really anything Sex in the City adjacent, just record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us at andjustlikematt at gmail.com, and I'll answer your question on the show with my very fancy guests. Mm-hmm.